Welcome everyone to the Developmentor Podcast, your source for interviews and content on careers in technology. I'm your host, Grant Ingersoll. As always, we have three goals. We want to showcase interesting people in tech across a variety of roles. We want to highlight all the different paths people take in their careers. And most importantly, we want to help you find your path. If you want to learn more, please visit our website at developmentor.com. Today's guest is a longtime friend of mine who I first met when I, he was the CIO of Shopzilla back in the early days of LucyWorks, who has since gone on to hold several other C-level positions at technology and consumer companies, including titles of Chief Technology Officer and Chief Product Officer. Before he reached such heights, he has spent time as a network engineer, a webmaster, and a technical product manager. Along his journey, he's worked across a variety of industries, including banking, prescription services, events, and e-commerce. Please welcome to the show, Jody Malky. Jody, great to have you here. Thank you, Grant. Great to be here. Uh, I'm super grateful to, uh, to be on the show. It's been a while, and it's great to have a chance to talk to you and, and reflect on your career. I know we've been back and forth a lot on scheduling for quite some time now, but I was kind of hoping we could kick things off by having you fill us in on your career path to date by giving us a little more detail on, on some of those highlights I hit on in the intro. Sure, definitely. I think it's worth stating that, you know, um, I, I think it all started when I was maybe 11 years old and my mom bought me a computer, an Apple IIe. Nice. I'm dating myself. And it just sort of went from there. You know, I was always super curious about, you know, how this thing worked and what I could do with it. And when I was 13 years old, my mom had a uh, commercial construction business and it had grown quite large, you know, 300 people and lots of things were fast food restaurants and uh, universities and et cetera. And she said it was time to computerize the books. So um, she handed me a box of software and pointed me at the PS2 IBM PS2 computer in the other office and said, uh, go figure out how to do that. So I can't think I would recommend having a 13-year-old computerize your set of books. But <laughs> That's fantastic. It was definitely trial by fire. And prior to owning a construction company, my mom was an accountant. So she was sort of my QA for the whole process. But it really kind of came into there. And I saw like the power of it because I'd seen, you know, literally doing books manually, if you can imagine to computerizing how much time it saved and you know less problems after a few kinks got worked out and it really kind of started there so throughout that and then further on i uh, sort of taught myself what i needed to know and we started doing a lot of business for the university of california system and they required our project management schedule to be submitted in a, a fancy project management software called primavera project planner think about like fancy microsoft and so uh, I was uh, voluntold that I need to learn how to use the software and transmit our schedule for building uh, <laughs> Cyclotron building at UCLA in the software. So I went up to Beaverton, Oregon as a 16-year-old uh, kid and took the uh, classes. And Come the, whole, on. the whole thing's hilarious when I think <laughs> about it. Uh, in college, I went to uh, USC and I studied uh, business uh, and I was in the entrepreneurship program and I also did emphasis in information systems. You know, at the time it was when the internet was really kind of coming to life. And uh, what that meant was that, you know, lots of companies, small businesses were learning about email and learning about, oh, I can have a small network in my office and I can print things and not have to be connected to the printer and all of these things that we so take for granted now, but that was all stuff back then. So I was uh, sort of started a consulting company and started doing that in college to really pay for my nights out. <laughs> it worked out pretty well. Nice. And the entrepreneur program, the first semester of kind of the culmination is the first semester you write a business plan with some with a group, and then the second semester you do your own business plan. And uh, my business plan was effectively Geek Squad before Geek Squad. It was a network of computer folks who could help small and medium businesses, but they were all contractors. Again, I'm dating myself, but hmm. my distribution mechanism was uh, dispatch was two-way pagers, which were owned awesome. by the company. And so, um, so long story short, I actually started that business in college and, um, hmm. you know, it was wildly successful and it was so stressful, Grant. You know, I was trying to make like $15,000, $20,000 a week payroll, like in my fraternity room. <laughs> And the, and the wow. people that worked for me, they had families, you know. Here's a good lesson is that people that charge by the hour don't like to pay by the hour, namely accountants and lawyers. 
for any of those that are listening. And then two, I learned that uh, working capital and cash flow is key. There were good lessons early. Out of that, I thought, well, should I just keep this business going? It's actually a pretty good business. I'm like, well, I could, it was pretty easy to start. I was very like lucky, I guess. Like I could always go back to it. And I'd been around my family's business. I'm like, how does a real business work? So I want to go work at a big company, at least uh, what I thought was big. My thinking process was, well, I want to go work where technology is really important to the business because one, I just want to work on something that really matters. And then two, they'll probably pay better. So I chose a finance company where actually the product, the technology product of the company was the business. So I went to work for William O'Neill. He actually invented algorithmic trading in 1967. He bought his own mainframe and paid people to put data in it through punch cards. And then he built that into a massive business and you know, the whole algorithmic trade literally started with him. So he had built this uh, amazing data asset where, you know, fed in, this is pre-Edgar online, you know, mm-hmm. every year they would hire 50 MBAs from the top schools to come and sit in this big bullpen area and take faxed 10 Qs and 10 Ks and key them into the system. Oh, wow. And they did that because the uh, 50 were hired and 10 every year if you were selected, they got to go and be in the, uh, in the training desk. And if they did well there, then uh, five of them actually got to then graduate to trade house money, basically. This guy had amazing data quality, all this data assets, you know, think 25,000 stocks and 40,000 attributes per stock. Oh, wow. Yeah, amazing, amazing data set. So I worked there and it was when the internet was coming right on board and I helped him. He sold a big product that was very expensive. Um, called William O'Neill Direct Access, Wanda. Uh, and Wanda, we used to have to sell and set up these leased lines. And so I spent a lot of time talking network engineers at Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley and PIMCO, how to open up firewall ports to let our software in, <laughs> let our service in. Uh, and I thought, this is crazy. Why don't we just put this on the internet? <laughs> and they're like, we can't put it on the internet. The internet's not secure. I'm like, well, actually. And so we worked through that. And moved a product that was 90% margin to like 98% margin. So that was great. Oh, wow. And then we decided to build a consumer version of it called Daily Graphs. And what that was is basically a feature, a limited version of this powerful stock screen software. Um, so we did that and we launched that and that was a big success. And well, that was great. So it was a really amazing opportunity. And uh, I learned some good lessons there. There, I sort of really focused on, you know, learning. I just try to learn as much as I could. And I tried to be helpful, you know, as helpful as I could. And then the last thing I learned, kind of key, was like, I'm going to give them one miracle a month. I'm going to, like, deliver something that no one's expecting, you know, something extra, Mm -hmm. like once a month, you know. It doesn't have to be huge, but it should be meaningful. And uh, I kept doing that. I just kept getting promoted, kept giving, giving more responsibility. It was great. I was having a ton of fun. That's a lot of miracles, man. (laughs) I love it. It is, but like, you know, it's the, I don't know, if everybody's getting their job done, like, how are you going to stand up? Yeah, it's the the extra. I love it. It's just the extra. And it's not like a little, I mean, I learned about compound interest of time, you know? You spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day on something, you have a lot of investment in the course of a month, you know? Yeah, for sure. So that was a pretty great experience. From there, I went, uh, I was recruited to a great company called Isocorp. So we were in the internet infrastructure business. So we wrote mail and directory servers from the RFC spec up and then white labeled them to Sun, to IBM. Hmm. If you had an AT&T dial-up account, our software ran your email <laughs> back in the day. Oh, wow. And that was a really amazing experience. I had built this like online customer service portal. And in that one, Grant, I learned a lesson of in a tech company, and I was kind of more techie, but in this company, I actually worked for the marketing department. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah, and there's a pretty big firewall between the groups. I mean, the engineers were all in Ireland, um, except for a couple here in Santa Monica. And, you know, it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed it, but, you know, I, I just wasn't super challenged. And I didn't really find people that I could learn from in the context of what I was doing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. There were definitely people I could learn from the company, I and mean, there are some amazing, like ridiculously intelligent people there. But I didn't really get to interact with them, you know. And I, I tried, but it just wasn't it wasn't great. So, in that role, what I learned is one: I really like to be challenged. 
because if I'm not challenged, then it's not really worth it for me. Um, yeah, for sure. It paid more and I had more time to do whatever I wanted, but I really like, I'm a beast of burden. You know, I'm best when I'm under load, you know? So I, le I learned that. And then the other thing I learned at, I learned is I really need to be around people who I can learn from um, yeah. in the context of what I'm responsible for getting done. Um, mm -hmm. It's not just enough that we work at the same company. Like I need to be working with them, you know? And then from there, a magical thing happened. Actually, I, I can tell the story because I tell it. But uh, from there, I got uh, recruited to um, Sony Pictures. And actually, this is not on my resume. I recruited to Sony Pictures and went through this long process. And the job was to be in charge of Screenland. And Screenland was the internal intranet at Sony. And 100,000 people use it every week to do their job. So this was kind of a big job. Hmm. When I went through the process to be interviewed there, I told the hiring manager, I'm like, you know, I really need to be challenged. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Lots of challenges here. I'm like, awesome. So I go through, it takes like six weeks to get a job. And I'm a young kid. So I'm like, man, it took forever to get that job, which is <laughs> <laughs> nothing now. It's nothing now. It's nothing. And so uh, what's amazing is I accept the role. Uh, it's around Christmas. I accept the role uh, and I take a couple weeks off. And in between the time I accept the role and I start the role, I get a recruiter lovely woman. Her name's Carolyn Altman. She called me and she's like, Hey, Judy, I have a great company for you. And I'm like, Oh, tell me about it. She's like, oh, it's called binary compass enterprises. I'm like, what are you talking about? What is that? And she's like, Oh, they have found this amazing thing. They're going to be this infomediary providing advice and confidence for buying things on the internet. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. And she's like, I think it'd be great for you. I'm like, oh, you know what, Carolyn? I don't really want to waste my time. I spent a long time getting this job, and I'm going to start in a couple of weeks. I'm like, yeah, I don't even want to meet them. You know, I don't want to waste any time. And she's like, Jody, she's like, I don't think that you're going to like working over at the studio. And I'm like, well, of course you're going to say that because you're not going to get a commission for sending me there. You know. <laughs> um, and she's like, just remember this. This these words changed my life. I'll get to the point of the story. She said, you know, you're not an indentured servant. If you don't like it, you don't have to stay. So mm -hmm. Christmas comes and New Year's and I start like the first week of January. And the day I show up, Grant, my hiring manager, he sees me. He's like, oh, shoot, you're here. And I'm like, <laughs> why, are you, why are you saying that? He's like, you know, today's my last day. I'm like, what are you talking about? Today's my first day. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I know. I'm sorry. Oh, my but, God. I got this Y2K job that's going to pay me a ton. This was like 1999. <laughs> like I got one year and they're going to like basically pay me double for this year. So I have to go take the job. And I'm like, uh, okay. All right. He's like, I'm like, well, who's going to train me to do my job? He's like, I can train you in two, three hours. Oh like, no. Like, wait a second. You told me that this was a really challenging job. And if you can train me in two, three hours, that's inherently not challenging. And he's like, you'll do fine. Don't worry. I'm like, oh God, what did I do? You know, I left this really easy job to come over here and basically it was terrible. Wow. So there I am inside of like a huge studio with, I mean, it's a massive, massive organization. I reported to this VP who had like 300 people, 300 people uh, reporting into like, he was maybe an SVP with VPs and directors. And, and then there was me and he didn't know what to do with me. He didn't have any time. I was really getting no direction, you know, and my job was to uh, manage the content and the infrastructure and the releases and the features of Screenland. So I just started trying to make it better from a new employee perspective. Oh man, like fireworks went off. Like I'm, I'm making it better. And then I get this phone call from a woman. She's like, I'm, you know, Mrs. Really important VP of communications here at the studio. Like, what are you doing? Who told you to do that? I'm like, well, they told me it's my responsibility to make it better, so I'm doing it. She's like, no, 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 we need to talk. You need to be doing these other things. And I'm like, well, not really. I'm No, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, and she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I think I've got a good plan. You know, I'm good. And she's like, no, no, we need to have lunch. I'm like, uh, okay. Everyone in the studio always wanted to have lunch on the lot so they could see movie stars. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm, I'm not movie stars are great but i'm not that into that <laughs> yeah. that was a big thing so we go have lunch long story short she had lots of ideas and i didn't think that many of them were very good you know she was not happy that i was in charge of this thing anyway like this went on for two or three weeks and i basically three weeks in i call carolyn altman I'm like carolyn 
I'm like, what was the name of that company? <laughs> <laughs> the binary the binary. The binary. Right. So uh, so anyway, so I go and she's like, um, I go and I have an interview with uh, Henry Asaley, who is the CTO and co-founder, brilliant guy. And we're walking back from lunch and we had a great, me- great meeting, walked to lunch and we're walking back to the office. And I'm like, let me just repeat the business model to you. The retailers let you collect their data and then you sell it back to them. And he's like, yep. I'm like, and they pay more than once. He's like, yep. I'm like, oh, sign me up. That's amazing. You know, <laughs> uh, well, I'd seen the power of, you know, collecting data, which is what William O'Neill did yeah. and then leveraging it in n ways, yeah. slicing, dicing, analytics, insights, you know, now this is amazing. So long story short, that was like three weeks in. I called in sick two more days and said, you know, this is going to be my last day. So I worked at Sony Pictures for 23 days. Wow. Yeah. So Binary Compass was the original name of a company. Binary Compass was the name of the company. And the website we published was called BizRate. And what BizRate was, was effectively like the better business bureau on the internet. Because back in the day, uh, you didn't know if it was safe to give a crazy place called Siberian Outpost your website or some weird little bookstore in Seattle, Amazon, is it safe to put my credit card there? And if I buy something, are they going to send it to me? And is the packaging going to be good? So we collected point of sale surveys from these e-commerce retailers and then packaged that up, indexed it, did a bunch of kind of rigorous customer sat analytics on it, reported that back to the customers of those websites and published like a review website. We also sold research, et cetera. So it was amazing. So I joined, I was like maybe the fifth person there. And then the company grew like crazy. It was kind of a wild ride. That company, uh, BizRate, we had raised a bunch of money. We had just hired the A round, which I was part of the one of the first A round hires. We're in this little warehouse uh, they used to make toys in, in Rio Del Rey, California. Now part of Silicon Beach, I guess. <laughs> but this was like a really not good office in Rio Del Rey, California. And uh, we grew from, you know, five, 10, 20 people to 285 people in the course of like two years. Wow. 15 months, 15 months. You know, that was kind of through the dot-com kind of boom. And we ended up raising like $73.5 million. And then the nuclear winter of the dot-com era hit. And we had to get from 285 to 85 in like two or three weeks. So it was, uh, that was not a great experience. Wow. Anyway, so I did that. It was interesting that I got hired and then uh, when I thought I was, the day I got hired, another guy shows up and he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm this. And then I talked to Henry and he's like, oh, I hired your boss yesterday. He's starting the same day as you. And I'm like, well, I came to work for you, man. And he was like, well, this guy will be great. Don't worry. And he was great. He's a good guy. I learned a lot from him. Very like, um, he's kind of a more seasoned technology professional. But when the going got tough, he sort of bailed. You know, mm-hmm. it was too risky for him. And for me, you know, I had found an amazing place that would basically take whatever I would give it. And I was able to contribute in so many different ways. You know, in a startup, you get to wear so many different hats and you're literally just trying to solve problems on a daily basis. And there's so many problems, you know. There's yeah, un- for sure. Amazing experience there. You know, those 85 people turned the business around, pivoted the business model from selling research to selling leads. And we really invented product level bidding on shopping search and so we wrote an engine a bidding engine where merchants could bid for placement on our shopping index and you know it was amazing we took our our statisticians they weren't called data scientists then we took them to turn from building customer sat insights to building algorithmic trading systems for internet traffic you know long story short that was a wild wild success this was like in, i mean 2001 2002 we really kind of hit a, a big, big, big vein of value and we were delivering traffic to merchants better than they, they could acquire it themselves. Right. Uh, and then apply right. that to SEO, kind of a whole kind of test and learn approach with, you know, A-B testing. And it was really early on so many of these kind of core things that we all take for granted these days. But it was an amazing experience. Um, we had really hired and curated uh, this group of people that were, I mean, I don't know how we got so many smart people in one place for so long, you know, and great to be around. And we'd all struggled and been in the foxholes together. So 
really, really tight group of, uh, of people to be around. And um, I'm super grateful for the experience. So we did that and uh, we sold the company to Scripps in 2005 and that was an amazing thing for everyone. And we were partners with Scripps for five, six years and we had a bunch of ideas and you know, they are like, hey, we, we love you guys, but the stock market does love you with us. So we uh, partnered with private equity in 2011 and bought the company back and really had a bigger plan. So now we have a financial sponsor that could support us growing inorganically. So lots of fun doing that. And then, um, you know, in 2013, I got a call from a recruiter to come and maybe join Ticketmaster. You know, before I jump into that, I got a couple lessons from Shopzilla. One is that the quality of people that you work with is probably the biggest determinant of your success. Quality on many levels, obviously, you know, a great character and great intent, people that you like to be around, but really folks that you can learn from and learn with. You know, we were kind of inventing a whole new category of advertising on the web and we were doing it together and, you know, it didn't go great a lot of the time. And as it turns out, it went pretty great, you know, in the end. And, you know, our business model was really precarious at times. And I often tell people the only thing that we got good at was getting good at stuff. And <laughs> once we identified, you know, the problem, oh, like I would not want to be between us and solving that problem because like you're gonna get run over you know yeah it was well, just amazing time after time yeah and i think that's where we first met if, if i recall correctly is, is shopzilla or whatever you were called at the time but i, I knew you guys as, as shopzilla so. sure there were biz rate and then we uh wanted to go beyond and be focused the brand around shopping so we operated two websites biz rate and shopzilla and then we changed the name of the company to shopzilla yeah, and I rem and I recall at the time too, you all were using solar, and I came in, and and you you had like you said, those statisticians were doing some pretty amazing things at the time when, when most retailers were not even thinking about many of the things that, like you said, we all take for granted now. So, really key there. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, yeah. keep going. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was great. So, um, uh, Ticketmaster, the the recruiter called. He said, "Hey, you know, I what do you think about going there?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. You know, I haven't." I think that they have a lot of work to do. I think it's, you know, a company that needs a big remodel. And he was like, I, I think you can help them. And I'm like, well, maybe. So I met a few of the executives there and I was massively impressed with them. And I thought, man, these guys have such huge ambition, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, okay. And then it took a bit to kind of figure out how we're going to work together. Cause I was going from being an owner of the company. And at the time I left, uh, Shopzilla was actually the longest tenured employee. Oh, wow. If not the longest, like the second longest, but maybe the longest actually. So now I'm going to go be an executive charged with driving change, like for, you know, just off the boat, you know? Yeah. Like, so in a huge organization at that. So anyway, so that took a little bit to figure out and uh, I joined and, uh, you know, that was an amazing experience. I joined in May of 2013 I was right when, you know, Ticketmaster and Live Nation had merged in 2011 and through the leadership of Michael Rupino had really, uh, he's the CEO of Live Nation, really made the bet to invest a ton of money into the technology platform of Ticketmaster. And it was very impressive. And so they made this big investment and then started to pivot some of this investment towards integrating the resale opportunity inside Ticketmaster.com, which is its own, it's worth its own podcast actually. But and so they're doing that and, um, you know, they had really put a lot of effort into getting all the clients on board with this. And it was a big, big deal. I joined right as they were trying to launch the system. And so launching massive programs doesn't always go perfectly. And, you know, I spent a, a bunch of time of really trying to help right the ship, you know, um, and get working smoothly. I think it was that through that process that of just trying to go the extra mile and uh, really communicate and try to make things better that I was then asked to be the CTO about six or eight months in, uh, became the CTO of Ticketmaster and uh, with my partner there, uh, the president, we started to reboot the entire company from the way that we've organized. We were, you know, it was highly functional before, then we organized around the business model, you know, supply, demand, experience, platform, and data to really rebooting how we thought about product development um, and integrating these lean product development concepts. And I mean, it's really kind of 
a big leap of faith for the company. Uh, and then we started to start to introduce and invest in things that we hadn't really invested before around, um, and they had started doing this with the investment that they were making, but really strong investments in user experience and user research, and then some broader investments on talent uh, and techniques that were for building modern consumer experiences. You know, it was, a, it was incredibly difficult. You know, Ticketmaster is a huge company that's been a market leader for a long time. So here I am, the new guy talking about disruption. And they're like, uh, dude, we're number one. You know, <laughs> yeah, what are you disrupting? <laughs> what are you disrupting? And I'm like, well, we're number one because you know, we built some amazing technology to handle crazy load at scale, you know, so that's really hard. And that, I mean, there's a lot of other things, but like, it's kind of a top five business model of all time. And that's really what's powering the business. We need the technology to be as amazing as the business model and really, you know, really change the culture uh, around that. And I'm, I'm so proud of it. And I uh, had a really great experience. A lot of the folks that I worked with at Shopzilla came to join me. And a lot of people in Los Angeles specifically that I'd always wanted to work with, I was able to bring on board. And so folks that I'd known in the community, folks that I had, you know, maybe worked with as a partnership, you know, really built an amazing, an amazing team. And we went through and consolidating all the consumer platforms. You know, there were five or six consumer platforms between web, mobile web, UK, you know, um, consolidated into one platform across all markets, across mobile, and then really did such an amazing job kind of on making the experience super performant that we could integrate that into the mobile apps. So we're able to get a ton of leverage on the most complex parts of the per ticket buying experience. And we just did so many things that were just amazing. We opened up the platform so that we could distribute tickets on other platforms. You now you can buy tickets on Spotify and YouTube with the work that we did. Uh, we built this amazing product called Verified Fan. That's a, a product that helps artists ensure that we're selling tickets to fans, guaranteeing that it's selling to fans at fan-friendly prices uh, to really mitigate the scalper and bot problem. So we've had a ton of success. It's really fantastic. Nice. Um, yeah. And then uh, moving on in, in 2018, you know, it had been a very long five-year sprint and maybe time to figure out how to do something to do something else. I was actually just going to be a, a kind of a angel investor at the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm just, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'll do some consulting, but maybe I'm done actually. Uh, time to be VC. Time to be VC. You know, I, <laughs> and I'd been doing that for since 2009. In the beginning, it was just to kind of, so that I could breathe entrepreneur oxygen because there's nothing like it, you know, mm -hmm. and just have a reason to have some skin in the game and and try to amortize some of the tuition that I paid, aka <laughs> screwing it up, you know, that was fun. And I did that kind of the back half of 18, but I just, I missed being part of a team. Yeah. I missed community of work. I missed finding a problem, struggling with it, moving forward went backwards, you know, struggle, triumph. I just missed the whole experience of it. And a company that I invested in a couple of years ago called Aspiration, really tight with the founder. And he's like, hey, do you think you could come help us scale it up? You know, we're just finished this big uh, milestone of getting our own license. And now we want to go back into market. And anyway, so uh, I'm like, sure, let's try it. So super startup-y, joined as the chief product officer and trying to help them scale. I had to get through the migration and then really kind of juiced up the marketing and, you know, a really short amount of time, we doubled the amount of customers, 4X the revenue, scaled wow. up the team. And so that was super fun. And then it leads me to where I'm at now. So a couple of months ago, the founder of GoodRx emailed me and said, hey, I'm looking for a CTO. He's like, do you know anyone? And I'm like, well, you know, we haven't caught up in a while. Um, why don't we have breakfast and let's uh, talk about it. And let me update me on your business. CTO means so many different things, Grant. Like, yeah, I mean, for sure. <laughs> so many different things. Like there's a massive spectrum. Uh, yep. And we're all, and all CTOs are on the spectrum. Don't. don't. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I'm like, well, let me help, you know, calibrate what you need. And then I can help you find some people. And then about two minutes into it, this is uh, Trevor Bezdek. He's the co-founder uh, co and co-CEO of GoodRx. I'm looking at him about two minutes into it, Grant. I'm like, I think we're on a date. 
I know what's going on here. <laughs> uh, the indirect ask. The indirect ask, exactly. And I'm like, oh, we're on a date. I'm like, okay, all right. I get it now. I know, I know what to do now. Did you do your hair? I mean. <laughs> I did not, you know. Uh, no. Anyway, he told me about this amazing company that he and, uh, you know, their founder, Doug, had built and about uh, the success that they've had and the challenges that they've had with the growing pains and, you know, and uh, it was amazing. So I told him, hey, well, let me think about it a little bit uh, and I'll get back to you. So I sent him back an email and, and hey, here's a couple of people I think would be good for you based on your problem set and where you're at. And he sent me back an email. He's like, well, why don't you come and meet some of the team? Maybe you'd want to do this. Um, <laughs> so I came back and met the team and I was super impressed. And uh, Monday, December 16th, I started as the CTO of GoodRx. Wow. Yeah. Man, what a journey. Holy cow. I mean, I had no clue on like the, the kid stuff, you know, like the 13 year old, uh, I, I guess the litmus test there that you did it all right. I'm, I'm kind of going back in time, just trying to catch up, but uh, from a 13 year old doing the books for your mom uh, on a PS2 to, to CTO of, uh, of a company that, that saves consumers billions of dollars is, is a pretty amazing journey. So. My first thought when you told me the books, you were doing the books, is like, okay, well, you're not in jail and your mom's not in jail, so you must have exactly. figured that one out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, I'm kind of curious, though, you know, you hit on so many great experiences in there, Jody, and, and so many good stories. I mean, I think one of the hardest things, I think, throughout a career like this and is, is about, you know, this, this moving up is you go from IC, individual contributor, to manager and on up. And... And I'm curious of like, how did you learn to scale yourself? Because I think that's often the thing in there of like, and you know, obviously you can only still do so many things in the day. So you have to adjust your systems. I'm wondering, you know, you gave all this great background. I'm wondering if you can then reflect at the meta level a little bit on the changes you saw in yourself as you went. Yeah. I learned a lot by doing it wrong, you know? Yeah which is not the best way to learn. You know, you like to capture other folks' insights and wisdom. I learned a lot by watching and having managers who were so bad. You know? <laughs> and I thought, well, man, I don't want to do that. And I learned by watching some managers and leaders that were just so good. I'm like, oh, I want to be like them. Mainly for me, I think it starts with the people relationships, at least in moving up for me. And whether you're uh, an IC moving up or even a leader moving up. I really want to make sure that I'm building a good relationships with the folks that I work with. And what that means to me is that, you know, I become a trustworthy person. They can trust me to do what I say I'm going to do. Trust me that I can give them my opinion, even though it may not be a popular one. Trust me that when the going gets tough, that, you know, I'm going to be there. Trust me in that, if they confide in me, that it will stay private. Mm -hmm. And so really just building trust. So that's the kind of a core, the first step. And then the second step is that, you know, how can I be helpful? And, um, and I really just started from there. Um, and then around my systems, around managing my time, you know, I'm, I'm a productivity nerd and I don't do any of all of those systems. I've tried all of them. And I, I'm sure I do some melange of, combination of all of them. But, you know, for myself, I, I really just started to look like, how can I really delegate with folks? So my current, my mode is that I go and try to build a relationship, try to go really deep with someone um, in what they do, and then try to get the hell out of there as soon as possible. Like I go super deep and I touch it and then I try to run away from it. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I think they got it. And if they need me, like I'll go and help. Uh, but that's my typical mode, especially in large organizations. Like I want to get a deep dive so I know what I'm talking about. And mainly like a Ticketmaster, you know, I met with 75 people in the first 75 days. Yeah. I want to know what it's like to be there. I didn't know anything about live entertainment other than buying some concert tickets and being a season ticket holder. Everybody's been a fan, but what's it like to work at a uh, box office? And then as a leader, what's it like to be on your team, you know? And so I think empathy is really, really important from a leadership perspective. 
And so I, I really focused most of my efforts on leadership, probably less on management. Maybe I probably should have focused more on that. But with good leadership and good people on your team with clear expectations and clear systems for accountability in a really beautiful, positive way, that solves most of the management problem. You know, great people don't need a ton of management, you know? Yeah, that's uh, true. So true. So true. And so I found I, I really over index on finding the right people. And then, you know, the other part was like I was sharing with someone actually yesterday was, um, you know, at the startup uh, at Shopzilla, you know, we worked really hard. This was, you know, not a healthy way of working, you know, 12, 16 hours a day for a long time. But a good friend from Shopzilla got married in India and he's like, you should come to my wedding. I'm like, I should. And so I plotted my course for a 23, 27 day trip, 27 day trip to India and, you know, uh, Southeast Asia. And I was going to be gone long enough to where I decided to train everyone up on the things that I did. And then when I came back, Grant, I just didn't take them back. <laughs> then every year I started taking a 10 day, like 10 calendar days off. And everybody knew whoever I handed the thing to that I wasn't taking it back. <laughs> so whatever barnacles got on my boat during that year, I'd scrape them off, hand them to someone else. And uh, that system worked for me really, really well, you know? <laughs> That's fantastic. If you're doing it every year, like it's much easier. Yeah. I had like accumulated a startup version of like three years of it, which is really like in a normal company. I think that's like six or eight years, you know, yeah. like a ton of responsibility. And that's probably why I work so many hours, you know, yeah. um, and I delegated some of those things and the people on my team are way better than me. So they got done better or they got automated or improved and, you know, never once did I have a problem with that. Uh, that was a really powerful realization for me too. And I mean, as founder, you go through like so many phases of this and it's, and it's like, you have to kind of fire yourself. Right. And yeah. it's, it's a weird feeling because you often have this identity attached to it. And am I useful? Yeah. And then, and then you got to find a new way to be useful and that can be uncomfortable too. I agree. It's so funny. So I talk about this with, you know, leaders and the higher up you go, like the dopamine hits are fewer and further between. Yeah, you know? for sure. <laughs> it's an achievement. And, you know, it's a real thing. So now I try to like once a week, like write a really good email or make a good deck or try to have a really meaningful, powerful conversation with someone. So at least I feel like I'm making some progress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, as an individual contributor, because like I still want to ship. Yeah, I don't know if writing a good email qualifies, but I'll give you that one. <laughs> uh, but no, I hear you. I mean, it, that's a f really funny way of putting it. I hadn't thought about it yet. I, I was waiting for you to say, you know, I go out and do drugs or something to get my dopamine hit. But um, <laughs> that, that's a much better, yeah, more, try to more healthy approach. <laughs> I just try to deliver something, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely a thing. And so now in my career, you know, I'm really focused when, uh, just to go back, like I'm really focused on, um, uh, well, I, I want to share this, which is super powerful. And I think it, it's been helpful for others and it's super helpful for me. So, you know, I'm a nerd at heart. And, you know, when, if you're good at what you do and in the growth of the technology market, if you're any good at what you do, you're going to get a lot of phone calls, right? About new opportunities. And I just got like, man, why am I rethinking this every time? How do I evaluate these opportunities? And, you know, I was inspired by my father-in-law, to be honest. He kind of, we were talking about this. And then we kind of coalesced on a kind of a built-in model with three main factors for evaluating a new opportunity. And the factors are like the people that you work with. That's factor one. The challenge of the work, that's component two. And uh, size of the impact you can make is number three. And at Shopzilla, you know, I weighted them 40, 30, 30, you know, and uh, so let me just dig in a little bit. People that I work with, are they smart? Am I learning from them? Do they inspire me? Do they bring out the best in me? Do I like being around them? It's like the math says that I spend more hours with them than I do with my family. Yeah. You know, and it, it hurts me every time I say that out loud. But I know, right? So, but do I like being around them, you know? And then, you know, the challenge of the work, like, is it a worthy challenge to try to solve? And can I learn something by solving it? 
and because I need all the help I can get, do I have an unfair competitive advantage of solving this compared to someone else based yeah. on my prior experiences or skills? And then, you know, the, the third factor, the channel, the size of the impact, like if I solve this problem, is it, you know, is that going to help one person, 10 people, a million people, you know, a billion people? And, you know, do I get to share in the value that I create? Yeah. And so at Shopzilla, I definitely weighed at 40, 30, 30. And we built an amazing group of people. And Shopzilla alumni, well, it's not PayPal mafia. It's like pretty strong, you know. Right. There's 27 CTOs of companies you've heard of have been on my team before. Wow. Well, and, and one contractor too. So <laughs> that's awesome. You know, so at least they saw what not to do and then they were able to kind of miss the mistakes. And that's, isn't that the key to good investing? Just don't lose money, you know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and so I feel really good about that. And then, uh, and then we would take a master. It was really about the challenge of the work, right? Like if I could be part of the team to lead the transformation of at the time, a 36 year old technology company, like that'd be amazing. Yeah. Or just to even get to see themselves as a technology company is, is a transformation in and of itself. So, so it's amazing, you know, like uh, I actually had uh, dinner with the president of the company this past week and, uh, we were talking like during our overlapping tenure, he's still there. Like we almost doubled the profit of the company of a 36 year old company. Wow. That doesn't happen, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. And so, um, so that's amazing. And, and then uh, kind of in the third leg of, of the race, you know, I've kind of waited at 30, 30, 40 about the impact that I can make. And, you know, when I look back, actually this happened last year, I'm like, look at this, the last three angel investments I've made have been on purpose driven companies. Companies really trying to make the world better, whether it's Aspiration, right, a, a socially responsible financial firm, whether it's Stasis Labs trying to provide active monitoring at a low cost for millions and millions of people who can't afford it, um, hmm. uh, or if it's a company called uh, Clue, which is trying to use biometrics to drive behavior change for diabetes patients. Hmm. You know, those are the last three mentions. And I can't say that I made those in purpose-driven investments on purpose. It's only in hindsight did I notice that. And so that, you know, if I'm going to be spending my time, I want to spend my time working somewhere where I can do well and do good. At yeah. the same time. And so that's what led me to invest my time in Aspiration and what brought me to my new adventure at GoodRx. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, you know, it's such a good way of framing. I think, you know, many of us, kind of fall through jobs, you know, like you, you, you bump around, but, you know, having a bit of a framework around it can be really helpful. Jody, I mean, you know, so many great successes in there. And, and, you know, one of the things I always like to say is, you know, jobs aren't all sunshine and rainbows. I'm wondering, you know, what's, what's the best thing about the role and, and what's the most challenging? I think the best thing about the role is that for me, it's the people that I get to work with. Yeah, for sure. And like get to assemble a group of people and we get to work on solving a problem together. And you just see this jazz that happens. Everybody kind of brings their piece to it and we figure it out and or make progress on it. Or, you know, it's just, I, I just love that dynamic. That's my favorite thing ever, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. And what about on the, the challenging side? Oh man, the challenges. <laughs> There's so many, but uh, you know, There's just kind so of. There's <laughs> so many. Um, I think that the challenging side, you know, most people on your team are good people. I mean, all, all people are, you know, 99% great people, yeah. right? Doing their best. And most of them are trying to do the best with what they've been given. And I think that um, what gets lost around from, you know, other stakeholders is the amazing complexity of modern distributed systems. Yeah. And I've been in companies before where I'm like, oh, we should just be happy this thing works. You know? <laughs> like, uh, at preaching many, to the choir. <laughs> at, at many companies. And I'm not saying that as a cop-out because like you, you yeah. can engineer architect things well, but there are so many things that can go wrong and so many edge cases and so many cascading failures or contributions to challenges that you know, I think the hardest part is when, you know, a company or a team's been bitten by something that was honestly like a black swan event. Yeah, for sure. And then to see that turn unproductive uh, in the organization. 
Yeah. And that's the part that just, it, it hurts because I know the people who are working on, you know, who are uh, busting their butts and giving up their weekends and nights and times with their kids to solve this thing, to solve a problem that they did not create. Yeah. And so like, that's the part that that hurts. I think that's one of the toughest part of the jobs. Yeah, for sure. You know, Jody, this this has been great. I want to, uh, you know, be really conscious of your time here. You know, you, you've you've covered so many great things in here. I'm I'm wondering just last couple questions. You know, I'd really love to have you reflect a moment. You know, the, the name mentor is in the show here, or the word mentor is in the show here. You've mentioned a couple in there, but I'd perhaps talk about one or two who've had particular impact on you. So I have to say that uh, Henry Asaley, the co-founder and CTO of Binary Compass, Biz Rage up to <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he was like, had such an impact on my life and my thinking, and I'm just eternally grateful for him. And he's always had so much wisdom, and that wisdom manifested itself in many ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's always been great. And so I, I just count myself so lucky. Just super, super, super lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. And then another person would be my friend, Nate Williams. Uh, Nate and I, we uh, shared some friends right out of college. He was a, uh, he was in, he was in the mailroom at William Morris hmm. and uh, on his way to becoming an agent. And then he got an MBA and then went to Wall Street, became a banker and then became a startup tech guy. And we ran in, we lost touch with each other for probably 10 years, 13 years, maybe. And we found ourselves at an event together and we both kind of like, you know, gone our own ways, but kind of ended up in the same place. Hmm. You know, he's, he's had a ton of success, you know, starting a company and selling it to Motorola and then helping sell Motorola to Google and, you know, and wow. he's kind of deep in this tech world, entrepreneurial success. And, you know, I really counted him as a, a strong mentor who just had so much context in my industry. Yeah. And then just like on a personal level, he, uh, I really appreciate how uh, we hold ourselves, we hold each other accountable and about taking care of ourselves, health wise, family wise, mentally wise, um, taking, <laughs> yeah. taking care of our careers and what we're focused on. Uh, we've invested in a few startups together. And so I've just really appreciated him and, you know, always willing to, again, share his, uh, give me his best thinking, even when it might not be what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Very cool. I mean, it's it's so awesome just to have, you know, and this is something for anybody who's just getting started out, you know, is like, find that mentor, right? And, and sometimes you just have to ask, you know, yeah. sometimes they'll come out naturally, but we do it at no matter what level. I'm in that same process right now, of just reaching out to people I know and, and, you know, hey, can I have a moment of your time? And you'd be surprised how many people are willing to say yes to that. And, and if they say no, who cares, right? Like just move on. So, yeah. yeah. I, I guess I, I got one more thing I wanted to share and it's the power of compound interest of time. Yeah. And that, and I, I just really would encourage folks. Uh, I've had this discussion and it's be the value of it has come up for me. It has been reflected back to me so much in the, in recently and it's in the power of kind of building relationships and a network of people. Mm -hmm. In the early days uh, of LinkedIn, I would go looking for interesting people. I'm like, oh, I would really like to learn about that person. I would watch a talk, uh, a tech talk, or I'd see someone or I'd read about someone. I'm like, oh, I would like to meet them. And then I'd go connect with them on LinkedIn and they're local. Hey, can, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can I buy you breakfast? I'd just like to connect with you. No, I invest a lot of time in that over my career. Um, sometimes I have more time than others, you know? Yeah. You know, recently in taking the role here at GoodRx, two, uh, two co-CEOs, uh, that we had this uh, notice that went out that I had joined the company. And uh, they told me about three people that called them and said, wow, you, uh, you're lucky to get Jody. I think he's fantastic. And these are folks that I just knew through that type of relationship, you know? Yeah. Like CEOs that I respected. I thought, wow, they're doing a really good job. I'd like to learn what they do. And we met and traded notes a couple of times and try to catch up once every year or two. It's relationships like those between that and then just really keeping up with relationships. So 
the higher up you go, the more reference calls folks are going to do. <laughs> yep, for sure. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I got notes from people saying, hey, I just got a call from so-and-so. I told them you're fantastic. Good luck. Nice. And then I got a note from someone uh, who really touched me and said last night, he was like, hey, congratulations on the role. You made a big impact for me when you were a Ticketmaster. And uh, he's not a Ticketmaster anymore. He's good, but if you know you ever think about opening up a Phoenix office, he's like, I, I'll be your site lead. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I thought, man, I haven't talked to that person in three or four years. It really made my day. And just knowing that you can make an impact through investing in those relationships, I think it's yeah. just, it's a huge thing. Yeah, no, it's it's something I think a lot about lately. We're talking compounding interest in the financial perspective. And of course, that's hugely amazing too. And, and people should definitely learn that. But there's so much when it when it comes to your time, when it comes to your relationships, when it, you know, all of these little things, like I even like, this is what I tell my team all the time as well. You know, it's this aggregation of gains, right? You know, you see this a lot in the press these days, just 1% better, but you know, that's, that's what this is about, right? Jody, so great to have you on the show. One final question, where can our listeners learn more from you? Where can they perhaps follow you on social media or best connect with you? Sure. Yeah. Just, you could connect with me on LinkedIn and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Jody Mulkey. And, and of course they should go get their prescriptions filled uh, through you all as well, which is Absolutely. fantastic. <laughs> you should download the GoodRx app. And uh, every time you fill a prescription, whether it's on insurance or not, um, you should use your GoodRx coupon because more times than not, it will save you money that you could use for something else. So we're really excited about the service and really excited about growing the company. So that's amazing. Jody, thanks so much for, for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking your time out, especially uh, given that when we scheduled this, I don't think you had actually changed jobs yet. So uh, I know you're, you're probably really busy right now with your onboarding. I am, but hey, this has been great, Grant, and um, I'm grateful. Um, and it's, it's a very cool thing of what you're doing. So I, I thank you on behalf of the community. Awesome. I appreciate that. And of course, to our listeners, thank you as well for taking the time to listen. As always, I say this every time, if you like the show, we'd love for you to subscribe. It's the way we get feedback as to whether what we're doing matters to you or not. So hit that subscribe button on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or whatever podcast app you're on. You can also, of course, visit us at developmentor.com to hear older episodes or find other content on careers in tech. Most importantly, if you like the show, please tell your friends. If you have any feedback, reach out and give it to us, podcast at developmentor.com. Finally, we here at Developmentor hope that each and every episode helps you move that one step closer to finding your path. 